0: From the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne, this is The Yarn. I'm Thomas Phillips. Welcome to Chisholm's Choice, Part 3. The electorate of Chisholm is not only the most marginal seat in Victoria, it's also one of the most diverse. Almost half its residents were born overseas, and almost one in six in this electorate have Chinese ancestry. This week, we'll hear about two of those residents and the concerns they'll be taking to the ballot box later this month. First up, Jenny Tsai tells us about her reporting on Charlie Yi, a 23-year-old master's student from Shanghai who just became an Australian citizen. For him, Australia's relationship with China is an election issue. I started by asking Jenny about what's most important for Charlie this election.
1: I think there are two issues that are most important for Charlie. The first one is um, crisis about the environment that the world is facing today. I think he's really worried about the climate crisis around the world and how the changes might be irreversible if we don't take prompt actions right now. And then he's actually pretty pessimistic about the future of the planet because he feels there's an underreporting in the journalism field about climate crisis and just a general lack of awareness around you know, like people that he meets um, towards this climate change and climate crisis. And the other issue that he's concerned about is Australia and China's relationship. I think he, he's in this position that he thinks he wants to vote for um, the party or a candidate that can take a pretty strong stance against the Chinese Communist Party, which is the current ruling party of China that he disagrees with um, at many fronts. But then he's very concerned about the issue and the history of racism towards um, the Chinese community in Australia. So he doesn't want to vote for a candidate who takes, a, I guess, a strong stance towards the CCP, but also the Chinese community. He recognized the difference between the concepts of the government and the people, and then he wants the party or candidate he votes for to clearly recognize that difference.
0: How have recent events in his hometown of Shanghai affected how he feels about China?
1: I think pretty strongly. I mean, he said he actually made his decision to become an Australian citizen and renouncing his Chinese citizenship. Definitely, the the what's happening in Shanghai right now reinforced his decision to become an Australian citizen because he feels like, you know, in China, your fate, I guess the fate of the people, is not really in their own hands. Uh, You're basically subjected to whatever policy that the government wants to um, reinforce and then to suffer the consequences of those policies.
0: Do you mind telling listeners about the incidents in Shanghai recently that have been affecting him?
1: Um, Yeah, I think there are many incidents. So his hometown Shanghai is currently under a pretty strict lockdown. And because of this surge of COVID cases. And the background is that the Chinese government is still sticking with the zero COVID policy in China. So they're trying to just basically eliminate Omicron virus, which is really hard to do. So they're taking this really hardline approach by just sending everyone who are close contact of COVID cases and of course, also actual COVID positive cases to makeshift hospitals. Um, They basically push people there and then they lock down everyone at home. So what's been happening is that that system is not working effectively in some areas of Shanghai. They don't have enough supplies, So you can see incidents of um, hunger and food shortage and also many instances of people being forced to leave their homes without their consent because there are close contacts of COVID. So yeah, there's a lot of of things um, that, you know, I think Charlie felt really upset that these kind of things are happening in his hometown.
0: Did you get a sense of what policies he'd like to see implemented to stand up to the CCP?
1: He actually didn't say specific policies. He only mentioned that he wants to vote for someone who can take a strong stance about all these sort of things that he's unsatisfied with about the CCP.
0: And can you tell listeners about how he became engaged and so concerned about climate issues?
1: So he said he first became aware of the climate crisis a few years ago by um, talking to a group of online friends that he has in the U.S. Um, And, you know, those group of friends, they're very concerned about climate crisis. And then they start sending him articles from, you know, different jur- journalist organizations um, that reports about the what's happening with the climate and the planet right now.
0: Did, did you get a sense of how he compares to the kind of average Chisholm voter or how, how typical he is as a Chisholm voter?
1: I think that would be a really hard question to answer because, I mean, I think it's really important to emphasize that even within the Chinese community, there are a lot of varieties. It's not like every Chinese Australian thinks the same way. I've also, for example, met quite a lot of other Chinese voters who, you know, they didn't really want to vote for someone who takes a strong stance against the against the CCP. They probably want a more subtle, more nuanced attitude. And there are people who are not sure. There are people who are just confused. So there are a lot of varieties. I think Charlie, I think his careful climate represents a large group of young people around Australia. And then his wish for voting for someone who takes a strong stance against CCP probably also is typical of a portion of Chinese-Australian community, I would say, regardless of whether they're in Chisholm or not. Especially, I think, those who chose to join Australian citizenship recently after COVID because the price is really high, Like because China doesn't recognize dual citizenship, and China currently bans foreigners from entering the country. So I think people who actually chose to renounce their citizenship after COVID, like Charlie, um, they are probably... They have a stronger identification with Australian values. That's just my guess. <laughs> it's not a fact, I would say. But yeah.
0: And how does he feel about Gladys Liu, the MP representing Chisholm?
1: Um, so I interviewed Charlie two times, and in the uh, the first time, he hasn't started researching about the election in any way. So he has no idea who Gladys Liu is apart from his name. He said, you know. I haven't received anything from her apart from a letter in my letterbox. But in the second interview, he did some research and he um, he has read, you know, the the news and the criticism of the Labour Party towards Gladys Lillian you know, many areas. I mean, the second time I interviewed him, he just read those articles. I think he hasn't reflected upon it deeply. Um, but basically, his initial reaction is that, you know, he now has a negative impression of Gladys Liu because of these negative news. And especially he's concerned about Gladys' alleged ties with the um, Chinese Communist Party, which obviously is an issue that he cares about, Um So he tends to not vote for her or the Liberal Party as a result.
0: So who is Charlie leading towards voting for later this month in the election?
1: I think he voted already through polls. So he applied for an early post. Definitely not Liberal. His priority would be Greens or other parties who have better environment policy and then probably Labour.
0: Jenny, thanks so much for your time.
1: No worries. Thank you.
0: That was Jenny Tsai. You can read her article about Charlie Yi in The Citizen and Crikey. Next up, Caitlin Duan tells us about her reporting on Xin Yang, a 52-year-old bus driver also from China. He moved to Australia in the 90s, and his priorities have changed over time. Once again, I started by asking Caitlin about what concerns are front of mind for Xin Yang ahead of the election.
2: So I think for my interview, Xin Yang, the most important issue for him was the house price, but not not necessarily for himself. He has concerns about the expensive house price and what the future will be like for his children to purchase their homes in the future.
0: So you write about how Xin Yang was able to buy his first home in 1998, even though he says his salary was low at the time. What has changed about the Australian housing market since then?
2: So he explained to me that the decision why like why he decided to buy a house before 2000 and I think he said that the GST wasn't really back then before 2000 and he saw opportunity to buy a house and he said to me that well even though he got really low income but the house price was really low back then as well and I, he said there were first one buyer kind of similar pol- policy back then so he decided to buy a house in Danino but then he also said he a little bit regret that decision because uh, most of um, his friends who came to Australia at the same time with him chose to buy the house in Glen Wibbly which is like another area that has a lot of like Chinese migrants back then. And he said, well, the house, if he decided to buy a house back then in Glein, the house price will double, even maybe more than that nowadays. But because in Dandenong, the house price does not increase that much.
0: What kind of policies would he like to see implemented to make housing more affordable for, for his children one day?
2: Well, honestly, he doesn't tell me like what kind of policy he wants, but then he's been telling me that he thinks the first home buyer policy doesn't necessarily help with it because he mentioned how he used to witness the house price market just increase no matter how much money the government sponsored you. And he gave example of if the government try to sponsor you with like $25,000 and immediately the the house and the seller, would just recently exactly priced by then. So he thinks that the price should just left to the market. Cause he told me that he doesn't really care about politics that much. Like he wasn't really paying attention to it. But he just has concerned about his um, children because he has three kids and one of them is like twenty one, another is eighteen, and the little brother is uh, sixteen.
0: So You write about how he used to vote for candidates with a connection to China, but this changed over time. Can you tell me a little bit about why this changed and, and who he used to vote for?
2: Yeah, so he told me that when he first immigrated to Australia, he felt really close with um, candidates that have a Chinese background, not necessarily Chinese background, but then, for example, we can speak like Mandarin or Cantonese, and then he will feel really close. And he said because when you first change to a new country, and that's something that you really kind of like expected from the candidates and he um, gave me an example of the federal election back in 2013 and he said he was really surprised that Kevin Roth can speak Chinese and he even put out his picture on Wikipedia and he's like oh I even remembered this guy's Chinese name and I was really shocked I was like why he can speak Chinese because you know um, he's Australian and then he said well his um, view changed a few years after that because he realized even after he voted, like, candidates with Chinese background, but then they don't necessarily talk to him or because, you know, he's Chinese and they're Chinese, they look after each other. So he just said, well, it doesn't really matter because he feel like even though in Australia, Australian Chinese, background's kind of complicated and the relationship changed, like, you know, expanded over, like, Melbourne. And he prefers candidates with, like, more simple background.
0: Was there a particular incident that kind of instigated that shift?
2: I don't think so. I think because he came from China originally. Like, his wife is, like, born, like, kind of, like, studied here since high school. But he knows, like, the way of, like, Chinese people work is, like, we, like, in China, it's, like, you kind of have to work with connections. So, you kind of, like, have your connection, like, everywhere in the places. And he feels like, well, you know, you don't necessarily look after like, you know, Chinese people who born in Australia. So, like, I would rather vote someone else who have, like, more simple background so things are easier.
0: And you also write about how he's been a swing voter over the years between voting for Labour and Liberal. Uh, why did he make those uh, changes?
2: So I think those changes being made because of the the shift with his job. So when he first came to Australia, he tried, like, different kind of jobs. I think he first tried working at the construction like site that's why he decided to vote for the labor because he thinks all oh, the the labor party will look after the workers more and then later on i think he opened his own fish and chips shop uh, and then when he has his own business he decided to vote for the liberal party because they look after like the people who have business more and he did, didn't make his decision now but he's still kind of like looking like the policies and what like he thinks most important for him
0: So what party is he leaning towards voting for this election and why?
2: Um, He didn't really tell me that, unfortunately. But then he said he will make a decision naturally. Like, eventually he will decide. I don't know, because I asked him, I was like, can you tell me, like, which one you tend to vote for, even though you didn't decide yet? And he said, like, oh, because I'm working as a bus driver now, probably I will still choose, like, liberal. But then he's like... But I'm not sure because I, you know, he voted both parties before. He was like, I have to say, maybe I was swing it back. So he's really just like kind of like swam between those parties.
0: Caitlin, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. That was Caitlin Dwight. You can read her article about Xin Yang and The Citizen and Crikey. You've been listening to part three of Chisholm's Choice. A massive thank you to reporters Jenny Sai and Caitlin Dwine. Our executive producer is Louisa Lim. The Yarn is produced at the Centre for Advancing Journalism at the University of Melbourne. I'm Thomas Phillips. See you next week.